All right, welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Continue to connect with us on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, wherever you get your podcasts for updates. Uh, we're going to have to delay our D group sessions just by a little bit um, for the next uh, couple of weeks. I apologize. I kind of got ahead of myself, which is a tendency of mine. But I promise we will continue to uh, push m- more content as we get later into the year. It's just been insane at the moment. Uh, but I, I just wanted to be honest with you that I have aspirations still for for this show. And I am very grateful for your support throughout all of it. All right. Well, th- this past week at my church, I gave a sermon on on Jonah. And in, in particular, one of the things that I wanted to, to, to bring up is actually, it's one of my favorite. It is absolutely my favorite ending to any story in scripture, just because it's kind of like not an ending. And it's the end of Jonah chapter four. At this point, you know, Jonah has received a call. He refused it. He accepts the call. He goes and does it. And now he's miserable because the city of Nineveh and all their people repented. And he, you know, the Assyrians being the the enemies of of God's people have been persecuting God's people. He doesn't want to see them forgiven. He wants to see them destroyed. And so he's miserable. And so at the end of, of that book, it's such an amazing, amazing thing because I think a lot of us were addicted to having the happily ever after thing for for better, for worse. We're, we just, we want some sort of conclusive ending to our story. But in the end uh, of Jonah chapter four, here's what it says at verse 10 or starting, starting at uh, verse nine. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He says, it is. He said, I am so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell the right hand from their left, and also many animals? And that's it. It's like if you ended a story in the middle of a protagonist. Exactly, right? And... A lot of people don't like this ending, and it took me back to a few years ago. My friends and I went to see a movie called The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Now, the end of that movie you know, is the is the dragon. You know, the, the dragon is unleashed upon the village, and then that's it. And then the last line of the movie is, what have we done? And then it cuts to black. And it's it just gives me chills because the it, obviously it's a cliffhanger, but there are very few big productions or stories where you have somebody's attention and you don't keep it for longer. It's very rare when a story, whether it's a book, TV show, movie, that has your attention, you're on the edge of your seat, and then the narrator or the author of said message, the director, the screenwriter, actually doesn't overstay his welcome. I don't, I don't know if that's the right terminology or not, but isn't that interesting that... When we when we see this story of Jonah, it ends on a question. And unlike other films and, and depictions of entertainment and works of fiction, when when you don't wrap up a story, it feels incomplete. It's like because either it was a, it was a fake thing or maybe it was real, and there was some sort of you know closing and closure rather. And I think we look for that in our daily lives when it comes to. Uh, themes of justice uh, when it comes to 
um, trying to get people the punishment they deserve. And even though whether you're not, you've been a victim of something, we see victims who are just trying to get justice for, for the crimes committed against them. And when they can find some sort of closure, right? When maybe we watch a cold case and they never caught the person who did it, there's always that, that wondering in the back of, of the victims, like family in their minds of like, is, is that person even alive? Will they ever catch them? There's not closure. And that's what's something we seek. But that's not something that's in our reality sometimes, right? We don't always get the the privilege of closure. And here, as as humans reading this story, whether you, I mean, even if you're not a Christian, you just want to take an objective approach to the book of Jonah, whether you think it's a work of fiction or 100% true, okay, atheist all the way to the most ardent Christian. Look at the story. You have the protagonist who receives a call. He's got his mission, and you have all the st- setups there. You have you have the conflict. You have the character. You have the call. And uh, talk about the hero's journey. If you if you people like uh, some of you people, my fellow listeners, liked certain works of fiction about the, you know the hero's journey, kind of epitomized in like the story of Luke Skywalker, for example is that he is given a task and then he refuses to call and then he's basically thrust into that that position. Well, that's exactly what Jonah does. See, like the Star Wars is not it's not an original story. And Jonah is like, "Here, go go and preach to that city of Nineveh and preach repentance." Uh no, I'm not going to do that. And so obviously Jonah known probably by word association with you say Jonah, you say whale. Gets swallowed by a fish, goes down to the depths of hell. You know, allegorically or literally, he is in a very low place, cries out to God. He accepts the fact that he needs to do this. He goes and does it, and he the, there's great jubilee in the streets, and he's miserable. And I talked about it in the beginning as to why he thinks that God did an unjust thing because God forgave these people when they repented. And, you know, he's eventually, I'm, I'm skipping over a lot of details, you can read the the short book, it's only four chapters, it's very, very short, that um, he is very angry with God, and, and God says, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah says, yes! And, and it's very odd because you have a prophet basically talking back against God saying, what you have done is morally wrong. And God's like, well, should I not have compassion on these people? And, that, and that's the end of the end of the book. I love it. Because what the, what the book and this like, theological theme pushes is it puts that question into the minds of the readers and of the people from the oral traditions of of the Israelites and how they passed down these stories from generation upon generation before they were written down, is that these are oral oral stories. These are for the listeners, or now, today, they're for the reader. It's for us to ponder that moral question. Are we the arbiters of judgment or is God the arbiter of that judgment? You see, you see a lot of Christians today, we play that role all the time. Yeah, we are given permission all throughout Scripture to hold each other accountable as Christians. But when you start judging someone's salvation and where whether or not they're going to heaven, I mean, a sinner's prayer is not necessarily going to get you to heaven. I mean, anyone can can say the words, I believe in Jesus, and then that's it. I mean, there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. We, that's something we theologically have developed here in Protestantism. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. I could say it as a joke. So the act of saying it doesn't mean anything unless it's backed up upon a life change, a heart change for the, for the sake of the kingdom 
of heaven. That's that's what we're getting at here. And so the these themes of of God doing something evil, we we try to step into that place of God all the time. And we try to tell people, oh well you're 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 going to hell because of that. Oh really? Um I think you might be right there next to me then sometimes, right? But that type of judgment. So it got me wondering though, you know, from a human level, why is it that we want closure so badly? Why why is it that you very rarely hear someone watch a TV show or movie and purposely stop watching, you know, three quarters of the way through. It'd be kind of odd, wouldn't it? And not because they were interrupted, not because they didn't like it, but because they didn't want to know the ending. Like, now that's curious. Maybe they wanted to make up their own head cannon. Uh, but isn't that kind of strange? I mean, isn't it? Isn't it something that we are we are so fascinated with the end, but yet when it comes to life, the biggest reality, we actually don't know how it's going to end. We don't know how any of us are going to die. It's from from a proven standpoint. There's a reason why faith is involved. Now I can know from a from a faith standpoint, from a at peace with my mind, like I I know that uh, I am going to a better place. But do I know it scientifically? Do I know it like I know arithmetic? Or do I know that like gravity's real? If I drop something, it's going to drop. It's not going to float up into the ether somewhere, right? Well, no, because that's a different type of knowledge. In in our Greek and our Hebrew uh, writers talk about that. You know, English is is very difficult sometimes because the word "know" to know someone, to know something, or to know something factually, it's all the same word. Where uh, it's based on the context versus other Latin languages, especially the Latin-based ones, there's different words for "know," and so. When, when I look at what's going to happen in the end, I don't know what the end's going to look like. Even when I, I do have the faith that I'm going to heaven someday, God willing, because of the blood of Jesus, I don't even know what that's going to look like. We were given pictures uh, and glimpses of heaven in the Bible, but what does that actually mean in reality? What will I be able to observe? I'm not sure. And only the dead, those who have passed on, actually know this to its fullest extent right now. So... It's funny that we don't even know what the end is in our own reality, but yet we have to have it in another reality. Maybe it's because we're trying to satisfy that innate desire to, to want to have that assurance that maybe oblivion isn't our destiny. Maybe there is something more. And if I can distract myself and my soul a little bit here on this little blue dot called earth, maybe it'll make the end easier for me. I haven't gotten that idea fully flushed out yet. It's just something I've been thinking about, uh, especially after going back over Jonah. Why is it that we're so fascinated and in a way sometimes obsessed with the end? We have to know. What type of closure are we truly looking for? In the book of Jonah, there is not any closure per se. The question is just left in our court and we have to deal with it. We're not given any other depictions of Jonah uh, in in the rest of, of scripture as far as how his life continued thereafter. We're, no, we're not given any of that. And so we know the Assyrian Empire was eventually conquered and the Nineveh, and city of Nineveh obviously eventually fell, but we don't know what happened to all those people for their salvation. We have faith that you know, they repented, it was true, God forgave them, and maybe generations upon generations were saved because of that you know, Gentile con, con, conversion, that mass conversion. One of the greatest, you know, uh, evangelistic like sermons and missions ever 
ever documented. Over 120,000 people coming to Christ in a matter of a days. Like, what? Name other time in history where that's happened. So, I, I don't know. We're left to ponder. And there's obviously a lot of other takeaways that I think we can have for that. But that's a different discussion for a different time. Anyway, but God bless you. And may God keep you.